Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Black Expat Experience, a podcast highlighting the lived experiences of Black expats around the world. I am Kendall Tyson, your host, a licensed therapist, and a fellow Black expat living in Beijing, but currently on vacation in Texas. Um, we have another great episode in store for you today. I know I say this every time, but it's always true. And I would like to welcome Jamie to the show today. Hey, Jamie. Hello, Kendall. Thank you for having me on your show. You are so welcome. I am so excited. We have such a good backstory. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to share with the world who Jamie Lazan Roya is or who you would like to know, who would, uh, would like us to know about you? Yes, for sure. So my name is Jamie Ladon Roya. I'm originally from Houston, Texas, born and raised. I'm a Texas girl. That's one of the things that me and Kendall link on. <laughs> but um, I have been in education for about 15 years now. And the last six years I have spent in Doha, Qatar as an international school counselor. Um, I've serviced grade levels from grade four all the way up to grade 12, but I will say that my niche is college counseling. So for the past two years, I've really been focusing on that kind of high school college counseling aspect. I am now transitioning to South Korea. So I'll be starting South Korea in August. So yeah, my life is a little chaotic right now, getting ready for that, that move. Um, but what I'll be doing there is head of counseling. So I'll have about five counselors under me. And then I'll be uh, one of two DP college counselors. So we'll split a caseload for the college counseling in grades 11 and 12. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Um, one of the things that I'm very passionate about that has grown, especially since being in the international sector, is teaching counselors how to set boundaries to maintain their well-being. Um, and so, and that's just so that we can be able to service our kids to the best of our abilities, right? So if we're worn out, if we're tired, if we're not taking care of our own personal mental health, it's very difficult to then assist those in need. Um, and so I try to teach counselors how to set those boundaries to maintain your own sanity and then being your best selves for your, your students or whoever your caseload may be. I love it. I already know this is going to be another great conversation. I am so proud of you. Um, congratulations from Thank one you. head of counseling department to another head of counseling department. <laughs> they don't know what they're ex getting into. Thank um, you. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited for you. I think you're going to love South Korea. How did you feel about living in, in Doha? So Doha was very easy. It actually has created a little bit of apprehension going into South Korea because I feel like going from Doha, Qatar was very easy to acclimate. Um, the English language is spoken everywhere. Everything is Arabic and English. Um, in your schools, all your students are going to speak English. Like it's just, it's a, a norm, right? And so now I feel like I'm going into a place where I, I may need to learn a little bit more Korean. Now, don't get me wrong. I've learned some key Arabic words to be able to handle the kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they're like, miss, you know, Arabic only 10 words. Like, <laughs> I know. But um, I really enjoyed the aspect of that, right? The aspect of Qatar that I liked is that 
they they embrace and they welcome the Western ideals, but they have maintained their cultural norms. And so you get like the best of both worlds. So when you're looking at it in comparison to other countries like the UAE, Dubai, um, you know, the Emirates and things of that nature, you find that they're they're very Westernized. But I find that in Qatar, they still have maintained that very like solid Arabic Muslim culture. And so I was able to learn a lot living in the Middle East um, with them. And so I recommend anyone to visit. Um, I know a lot of people kind of got the exposure during the World Cup, um, but it is still very much a hidden gem. Um, so if you have been considering going to Dubai, I would say add Qatar as a stop just to see what it's like to have that kind of full um, immersion into the Arabic culture. I love that. Thank you. Like I've been trying to think about what my travel plans look like and even potential you know, places to work because I'm not going to be in Beijing forever. Yeah, um, yeah. And after meeting you all in Bangkok mm -hmm. and really establishing relationships with y'all, and then I met some other people last week in Rome at mm -hmm, the conference mm -hmm. who was in Doha as well. It's an I figure it's an option, you know, there, yeah. but it's also like trying to really reconcile how I'll be able to, as a clinician, manage. Um, like the do's and don'ts of what you can and can't talk about. Um, so that's why yeah. part of this platform, when people are really trying to identify what countries um, that they want to work mm -hmm. for, school types, you you really have to do yep. your checkpoints of the absolutely regulations. What yeah? What can you accept? What is going to be too much for you? Um, yeah, what you don't want to do is get deported or in trouble. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And you know, that's one of the main reasons why I found myself kind of at a, a fork in the road with Qatar is because they're still developing that recognition of the mental health needs. Yeah. And so unless you are a, a clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist, associated with a hospital, yeah. it's very difficult to actually address the needs. There's not like a list of people that I can call and say, oh, these are private practice counselors that these students need long-term counseling or this yeah. parent needs assistance with the parenting side. And that doesn't exist. And so it's yeah. very difficult for me because I find myself mm -hmm. kind of treading that gray fine area of the ethics because as a school counselor, you're short term, <laughs> but- yeah. Do I want to be short term and then leave this kid hanging knowing that they need more, but there's no other options other than going to a hospital and now you're affecting their livelihood as a Qatari student, right? Yeah. And so I find myself then identifying other needs so that I can continue services with that student, right? Yeah. And so it, it's difficult. It's very difficult. So you're right. I absolutely agree that you should research what is their stance as a country? What is the stance of the school when it comes to mental health to determine whether or not it'll be a good fit for you? Yeah, um, just being conscientious and aware of what it is that you're choosing um, to yeah. walk. To, uh, and of course, we'll never know until we're really fully there. Yeah, um, yeah. And then mm -hmm. we'll never still really know until you have an example of a Absolutely. challenging situation that you have to process and collaborate on. But yeah, I'm wondering... Obviously, we're going to get into some deep stuff. Help me help us understand as you do this work as a black woman working in a Middle Eastern country, I imagine that it's a, I won't say a lot, probably easier, like you said, to acclimate mm -hmm. 
in Qatar than it would be like Beijing. It's been challenging. What have you noticed are some of the ways that you've grown as an individual, grown as a professional? I'm wondering what would yours be? I'll never forget. I had a co-counselor when I first moved to Qatar that I spoke with before I moved to the country. Her name was Mary. And um, she said when she came into the country, she told herself either she was going to like it or she was going to love it. And I think that's a great way to approach going to expat situations, because if you go in and say, oh, if this happens, you know, I'm not going to be. No, you have to go in with that positive. I love it. Right. And it, it allows you to then be more open minded when you're dealing with those roadblocks, those obstacles, those things that you just were not prepared for. Also, I think it's very important to really pay attention to the culture accept the culture and also celebrate the culture with them. When they see that you're really trying to embrace who they are as an individual and you're showing that cultural awareness and things of that nature, it helps because then they realize that we're 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 fighting together, right? It's not me against you. It's not me thinking I'm the expert over you because just like I may be the expert of my school counseling, you're the expert of your culture and your religion. And so you can teach me things just like I can teach you things. And then we can find out ways to compromise, right? To where you still feel valued as a Muslim girl or a Muslim boy. But then also I can let you know, like, these are some things that you can do to maintain your mental health or how to cope with different things that they're dealing with in the school system. So again, I think it's, you have to come in with that positive mindset. You have to be open and flexible and adaptable, to be quite honest. Um, and then just allow yourself to embrace what's happening around you now if you get to a point where you can't accept it or it's something that you're completely against then then you shouldn't be there you're a visitor right you're entering as a visitor when you're an expat so you have to keep that in mind um the same way you wouldn't want someone to come into your household and tell you how to do things and oh that's wrong or this is right and you just can't do that right and so i think you need to take that same approach when you're entering someone's country as a guest yeah, listen, I affirm and co-sign everything that you just said. Like one of the things I recognize doing the work that we're doing is certain people, it doesn't matter race, ethnicity, culture, I think it's more of an individualistic, individualistic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thing are more yeah. apt to acclimate into and be accepting of and really be more culturally responsive, which is the bedrock of the work that we do, right? Um, yeah. In the, in, in, in what you're saying, I'm hearing like, the more that you are open <clears throat> to the environments, doesn't mean you have to necessarily agree with all the yeah. practices and things because they were here for millennia before you, they're gonna be here when you choose to go. It is, you know, yeah. how do you enrich yourself after making this decision, because none of us were forced to do what we're doing. Yeah. After making this decision, Absolutely. how do you then enrich yourself, which is then I'm witness to say, gonna help you be a stronger, more culturally responsive clinician. Um, and I think more embedded into the community. Cause when the kids see, when the family see that, oh, she really yeah. is making an effort. It might be a terrible effort, but it's an effort to understand me, understand yeah. my culture. I'm wondering, what would you, what advice would you give to, because, you know, the things that we're collaborate, collaborating on, trying to create to get more people to come mm-hmm, over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know that there are 
other Black clinicians of the diaspora that would do well working abroad mm -hmm. and really change mm -hmm. your lives. If there was someone, not even if, when we encounter people that we think could really grow from this opportunity, what would be some of the things that you would say to them to help them to understand how making this move has enhanced your life? Yeah. So one of the main things I always tell people is that if you want to go somewhere, it, when I look at school counseling in particular, right? When you're school counseling in Houston ISD, which is where I came from, a lot of your role is other duties as a sign. And I know that a lot of profession because if we truly wanted to make an impact with individual students or groups of students. And how can I do that if I'm focused on all these other duties as a sign, testing coordinator, uh, LPAC coordinator, uh, hall duty monitor, uh, everything that they can think of except for me sitting in the office and helping yeah. these students process their grief, their, their confidence issues, their you know uh, depression or whatever it is. And so I always tell people, if you want to be able to be an authentic school counselor or mental health professional, going abroad is the way to do it. Because yeah. when they put you in those roles, it's very specific that they want you to function in that role. It's very rare that you're going to get pulled <laughs> to do other things in the school. They need you as a school counselor. They hire you as a school counselor. Or they hire you as a school psychologist or a mental health professional. And so if you're really trying to grow and expand in that area, that's one of the things I always talk to people about is that that's what you, you may want to pursue that international sector. Also, just growing as an individual, I feel like I know myself way better than I did before. Um, not only with just age and maturing, but then the experiences that I have, the conversations that I have with people are so much richer in the international framework than it is when you're just living in your little bubble of Texas. And Texas is very much a bubble. I think compared to other states, probably more of a bubble, yes. right? Because when I would go and even meet other people <laughs> from other states in my schools, the mentality was so different. And they were just like, Texas people really are weird, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I think we are. Like, I, I kind of started to realize that we do have some very jaded, you know, approaches to yes. things because we have lived in this Texas bubble. Yeah. Um, and so I, and also the ultimately is like, there's I always tell people, there's so much more on the other side of fear. A lot of it is we hear other people's opinions. We hear other people's what they would and wouldn't do. And, oh, you don't know if this could happen or that could happen. If you allow that to get into your head, you will miss out on so much. Because if I would have told my people that I was going to guitar before I signed my contract, they probably would have talked me out of it. Yeah. And I knew that was a possibility. So for them, I didn't tell them until I had my flight ticket in hand <laughs> because I needed to make a decision for myself. Now they weren't happy and they thought I was crazy and they thought I was joking, but I wanted to do this for me. And I literally will say this and I, I, I sit on it and I believe it to the core of my being. This is one of the best decisions that I've made and which is why I ended up being there six years. And so if people can just get out of their own way, like we talked about earlier before we yeah. started the call, get out of your own way and don't allow fear to like stagnate you, there's so much more you can do and so much more ways that you can thrive if you allow yourself to get on the other side of that. Yes, like, like kudos, kudos yes. <laughs> everything that you are saying. It's just, I don't know. Well, clearly we can't speak for other people's perspective, you know, being a black woman professional, Black woman. And mm -hmm. 
I feel you on recognizing that in order to really be able to sit with your decision to make sure that it is in alignment with the way you envision the life that you want to have and not infiltrated by the fears and anxieties and worries and misinformation of other people. And most of them mean well, some of them don't. Most of them mean well. Yeah. It is so important to really like be have blinders to the BS and absolutely go objectively into processing. Is this really yeah. what I want to do? Right. Yeah. And what what about this journey? really is in alignment with goals, desires, passions that mm -hmm. help you to feel like on fire as your best self. And luckily, like I've, I've always seen myself as a person of the world. Like I want to be international. Yeah. I want to go abroad. It's always been a dream. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. never knew what that would look like. I had no idea China would be it. And yeah. I can say that when the opportunity came, how I knew it was for me is because I didn't go looking for any of it. I was in a space in my life where I was having a lot of work trauma, <clears throat> dealing with bosses that were subversive and just feeling really guarded and jaded and not really sure what that next step professional looked like. And I was ready yeah. to move back to another school, but mm -hmm. an old um, teacher, a teacher of mine who used to be on my team mm -hmm. when I was an AP they had moved abroad and I was just like, you know, I know I'm, I know I'm moving. I don't know where I move, yeah. but I know I'm moving. So the opportunity came and I was like, China? <laughs> like, okay, let's go. <laughs> so smooth. I literally got the call or the email about the acceptance on my mother's birthday. And so that right that. there, let me know. It's like a confirmation, right? Total confirmation. And every job that I've had subsequently, I didn't go looking for someone that believed in me, believed in like the work that I'm doing, passionate mm -hmm. about. They were like, oh, here's this opportunity. I think you'd be perfect mm -hmm. or happenstance, living my life, chilling, meet somebody mm -hmm. and share an opportunity. It's perfectly in alignment. And those are the things that help me to realize that you are exactly where you are supposed to be. Even Absolutely. if it doesn't feel like it on most days, even if you're having all this difficulty, because life is not without difficulty. And I really want people to understand, is it, is it a Black people thing? I think we were having this conversation yesterday with a different guest. Mm -hmm. Safety and security. Yeah. Especially as professional Black women. Yeah. Tell me about your idea of, or if it's changed when it comes to safety and security as you like expanded your life internationally? Yeah. So I feel like in, when I was in Houston ISD, I felt like I had security because okay. I knew that I would always have a job because yeah. they're always hiring. They're always in need, but I can't say that I felt safe in those positions. And when I'm talking about safety, I'm not talking about like physical safety. Right. I'm talking about my personal well-being safety. Like I don't feel, I didn't feel protected. Like I, I should be in that particular role, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And so now when I was living in Qatar, I had that safety and security to an extent. Yeah. Um, especially the, the physical safety was definitely there because at the country was very safe. People all the time I could leave my phone and my wallet 
on a table in Starbucks, go downstairs, go to the restroom, go outside, go to my car, come back. Nobody has even thought about picking it up. Right. And so I had to rewire myself when I would come back home in the summers because you just don't function that way in Texas. Your whole they'll have your whole identity within 24 oh, hours. Right. Oh. And so and so that is one of the things I truly valued is that when I went abroad, because I worked at two different schools in Qatar, that safety and security, I didn't realize how important that was to me. I didn't realize that was one of my values yeah. until I had it. Right. And then I realized, like, oh, moving forward. If this is not an aspect that you can offer, then I'm not the person for you and you're not the person for me when it comes to that that job alignment. Um, I think it's important for people to feel secure also because no one wants to look over their shoulders wondering if they're going to have a job the next day or wondering if they're going to have a job the next year. With the international sector, most of your contracts are going to be two years off top. And they are trying to retain their employees. So they give incentives if you will continue to sign, because they'll do one-year contracts right thereafter. But if you sign two or three-year contracts, they are, you're like gold to them because they want to maintain as much, you know, continuance with the services as possible. So I think those are two things that people really should kind of like tap in and see like, do I need this? And how does it make me thrive in a different way when I have that safety and security? Where I'm going now, I still feel like that exists because when I'm looking at the safety aspect of protecting the sanctity, the sanctity of the counseling profession, what I really appreciate is how they hand over. So I was in contact with the, the person that's leaving the role. There wasn't bitterness. There wasn't like, oh, I'm going to take all my resources with me. You can figure it out. Literally, before I even had my employee ID, I had access to the drive of everything that she has already done because you can tell she truly cares about the school, the program, and the students. So I don't want to take away the resources because that's what happens a lot of times with the international sector anywhere, really, right? That historical knowledge goes with whoever leaves that position. I don't see that at this particular school. And so I think a lot of it has to do too that it's very well established and it's been around for years. Uh, But I appreciated that because that gave me some security and safety going into a role that I wasn't sure what to expect. So that kind of sets you up for success early on. Um, But yeah, I can see how people would kind of disregard the need for that um, because they haven't experienced it. And yeah. for most people that are stateside, it's very few and far between, unless you are with someone, a principal. I've noticed that principals have a background in some type of SEL or counseling or things of that nature. They function differently and they treat you differently, but not all uh, you know, principals and APs have that background. And you can tell the difference in how they treat a counselor, right? I've been thinking like, maybe that should be a required part of their pedagogical learning. Um, Absolutely. We we cannot exist in isolation. Like a lot of the things that we do, especially when it comes to safeguarding and child protection, is in alignment or collaboration with admin. And it's just like, first off, respect me as a professional, knowing that I have the acumen to do this job and the heart to do the job, but also knowing that behaving ethically is number one. And yeah. keep you informed and on top of things is, is key. I just wish more leaders and admin, not yes. bosses, yes. leaders, you know, yes. had to do some kind of learning and emotional intelligence 
you know, the importance of, you know, social emotional um, instruction embedded into yep. the school, not just coming from yep. the counseling department. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think everybody's outcomes would be that much more amplified. A hundred percent. And as I hear you, I, it resonates with me that whole importance of safety and security. I did not know how safe Beijing was. I could walk down the street at two o'clock in the morning because God knows I have, yeah. um, <laughs> and nothing happened to me. Yeah. Don't even yeah. have a care in the world about something happening to me. Like nothing would happen to me from like a Chinese national. And that's the foreigners you got to worry about. Yeah. Something. Yeah. 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 But, <laughs> and then with that, I think one of the, and I wonder how you feel, one of the, types of safety that I've recognized I've struggled with personally because I like I said I have work trauma that in therapy I'd be having mm -hmm. to work through child but coming abroad <clears throat> it's the sense of psychological safety that I noticed I've had to really cultivate in mm -hmm, some of the mm -hmm. environments that I find myself in because um, if we're being honest international schools are private schools I never yeah. saw myself working in a private school setting. I've always worked in like public title one intentionally and then yeah. make that shift. I've recognized like, okay, this is a whole different way of like, not necessarily relate. Well, maybe relating. I don't know. Yeah. I just, what have you noticed or recognized about your psychological safety the people around you when it comes to the understanding of psychological safety and how do you help yeah. people understand that how vital it is to do your role yeah you know that's why I'm so passionate about boundaries yeah because to maintain that psychological safety you do have to set boundaries so I would work amongst people that were pulling in like all-nighters or they'll spend their weekends, like I'm thinking about teachers, marking all weekend yeah. or grading assessments. I'm like, I need you to find a way to build that into your work day. Yeah. Maybe do something differently with your, your planning time because you should not be working seven days a week. Our job is already taxing as is. Right. And then you also add in the factor that, yes, it's all glitz and glamour, what it appears, but there are some very alone and lonely times, mm. right? So you're still trying to process it, especially if you're single. Yes. You're a single person. <laughs> if you don't have family with you, you know, while you're abroad. And so I always find myself telling people, okay, I need you. Like, I, I got an email from you at nine o'clock last night. Why, why, why were you working at nine o'clock last I night? Sleep. Like, you could have literally sent that at eight o'clock in the morning. It's going to, yeah. I'm going to see it either way. Right. And so I'm always stressing to teachers, especially that you cannot do it all. You're yeah. one person and it'll be okay if it doesn't get done. I promise you it'll yeah. be okay if it doesn't get done at yeah. 12 o'clock in the morning. Right. Same thing with my students. They will be sending emails, especially around college application time. Yeah. Right. And I see that timestamp is one o'clock in the morning. And I know that they have assessments coming up in biology or, you know, mathematics. And I'm just like, that is not okay. Like, I don't <laughs> want you, you have college counseling with me. So now that I know that you're up at one o'clock in the morning, guess what you're going to be doing? Sitting right in front of my desk in college counseling and taking care of those tasks that you keep procrastinating on. Yeah. And so psychological safety, I find that people struggle with because they don't realize how it affects every other aspect of their life. Yes. And so if you don't have that psychological safety intact, you are not going to be able to function 
very long. It's not sustainable, I guess I should say, right? You'll function for a little bit, but it's not sustainable. And so for my personal psychological safety, I set very firm boundaries with my students, parents, and staff, leaders included. Um, I make sure to have some type of outlet. I think it's important when you move abroad that whatever it is makes you happy, that you made time for at home, stateside, you find that. That's the first things I look for when I move abroad. So right now, as I'm moving to South Korea, there are two things that I have to have, an indoor cycling class and a coffee shop that I can go and sit in and read my books. So those are two things that create, that it protects my psychological state. It protects my mental health and well-being because those are comforts for me. Those are things that I can check out of whatever I'm doing career-wise or even personal with family, friends, and this is my time. And so you have to create that for yourself in order to have that longevity, right? And I always tell people too, yes, you want to explore and you want to go to do things that are fun. You're constantly out and about running the streets, you know, learning the lay of the land. You know, I think that's important too, to explore where you're living but don't use it as a form of escapism either. Because if you don't know how to sit with yourself, it's gonna catch up and sneak up on you at the most inopportune time. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be you. where you're super <laughs> and it will sit you down. You'll find, I always tell people when they start getting sick a lot, when they find themselves going to the doctor and the, and the doctor cannot identify what's wrong, a lot of times it's stress. Your yep. body is trying to protect itself and tell you to sit down and allow it to properly restore us. Yes. Sleep, send up, sending emails at one o'clock in the morning, not getting sleep, your body is not able to repair itself. So what is it gonna do? It's gonna sit you down so it can repair itself. So you yes. can function at the best of your ability. And so there's so many, I could go on and on and on and on. Like hey, <laughs> so many aspects, hey, right? That it, it'll affect, right? It, it can affect, and, I, and I, I think in order to fully embrace your lifestyle abroad, you have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. That has to be number one priority. Um, because again, it, there's so much more at stake when you're abroad. Um, I don't, you don't know what the healthcare may be like in the country that you're in. Um, we know that compared to the US, the cost is little to nothing. Um, so you don't have to worry about the, the financial burden, but still it, it's something about being in a, a hospital room or a doctor's office alone. You know, I'm speaking specifically for those that may be coming abroad single. Um, It's something about that that just, it it doesn't feel good, right? And then your family and your friends, once they hear that that's happening, they're worried, right? Because you are thousands of miles far from them and they're worried about like, okay, what's gonna happen? So that constant communication is necessary. But again, if you take care of that bottom line, which is you, a lot of times you can avoid some of those outcomes um, as long as you you maintain that that psychological safety, that mental that mental health, making I sure it's, it's top tier. You've really touched on a few topics that I want to go a bit deeper in. The wellness aspect, like the holistic wellness aspect of being an expat, especially a single expat in mm-hmm. a country, is should be a paramount. I won't even say concern. I would say of paramount importance. For people yeah. who are like having an, like, I like how you have a pre-planned idea of in order for me to be fully functional and well and able to do my job and show up, these are the things that are non-negotiable that I know I need yeah. to have to feel settled 
and able to yeah. move through, you know, the day. And mm -hmm. I want people to recognize that being objective about these decisions is key. It cannot be, yeah. you can't go on vibes. It can't be, I mean, I don't think we go on vibes anyway. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that does not have a plan. Nope. Right. Yeah. Life just not set up that way. <laughs> yeah, no. Else, we don't have that luxury. We I'm don't have that luxury. Yes, that, right. Um, so I just I'm I'm curious about having done these things, having been, you know, in Qatar, moving to South Korea, you know, and we'll get into the mental health wellness thing. We we've kind of touched on it already. When you think, yeah. when you look back on accomplishments and you know, successes and transition and progress. What do you think, what comes to mind as a defining moment of your time abroad? I think, and it's going to sound weird, but one of the defining moments I had, I left my first school and I moved to a new organization and it wasn't the easiest transition because I went from working with a very diverse um, national, like it was 59 different nationalities, if I'm not mistaken, at this international American school to a school that was under Qatar Foundation, which is 90% Qatari. So look at that population difference. So now the expectations are different. The way they function is different, all these different things. But I'll never forget um, the principal at my previous school reached out because the counselor was leaving and they were like, can you come back? Like we, we realized like <laughs> how much you did. We realized like how, you know, great you were at this, you know, it, it was, it felt good. It, it sucks that it took for me to leave for you yeah. to realize what you had. Yeah. Right. But it also to me said a lot that they didn't let their pride or ego get in the way of being like, Hey, what, what, what we got to do to get you to come back. Now, for me, I functioned at a very, <laughs> but, but <laughs> listen, all that was there. All of that was there. Yes. But it was very difficult for me to leave my current school in the same predicament as the counselor left them. Yeah. I couldn't do that because yeah. I still, my reputation, my, my work ethic, all that is so important to me yeah. because I've worked so hard to maintain a very clean reputation when it comes to my, my work history. Right. Um, and so let's tell you, it, it was very tempting though. It was extremely tempting, but also you have to be careful when those things come up, come up because it it's tempting for a reason because had I left my current school, I would not have grown to where I am right now. And I wouldn't be headed to the position that I'm headed to right now. Yeah. So I had to sit in that discomfort and that's a word. Listen, sometimes you will be uncomfortable. I'm talking about to the point where you might be miserable. You might be a little bit depressed. You might be functional depressed. Um, but I am so glad that I went ahead and saw it through and, and saw my, my contract through because again, had I not, I probably would have still been sitting very comfortable in Qatar in the sense of being stagnant. Yeah. Because yeah. I would have, it, it is, like I said, it's very easy to live in Qatar. It's very, it's very nice lifestyle. It's very luxurious on a budget, right. Compared to what you would have to pay in the States for that type of luxury. Um, and so I am so glad that I stuck with my, no, that's not okay to lead a school, you know, at the end of the school year trying to find a new counselor. Um, but it also felt really good that they finally recognized yeah. how much I had poured into the counseling program by myself, mind you, I had no help. Yeah. I was the only counselor for grades six through 12. I had, when I left that school, I had a caseload of upwards 495 students. 
And and I was the co- I was the sole college counselor, and it was like their first three graduating classes. I saw their first three graduating classes out that door. Exactly. So <laughs> it wasn't until I left that they realized, like, oh, we do need a middle school counselor. Oh, I've only been saying that for four years. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't hear me though. But that's the thing. Now, this is the point I do want to make. And that's saying that's why I'm so big on boundaries now. If they see you can do it and you can do it well, it will allow you to continue doing it because they're saving money, because they know that you're gonna get it done. So I'm speaking primarily as a black woman. We always feel like we have to do it because if we do it, it's gonna get done right. Remember how Dr. Joy said last night, we feel like if we do it, we'll just do it ourselves, right? And because we want it done a certain way. But had I stood on top of my boundaries with that particular school and said, guess what? I cannot do it all by myself. So therefore I'm going to focus on this. And so y'all can figure out the rest. They would have, that would have forced them and, and, you know, pulled them up on having to get a middle school counselor. But because I was seeing all these students, six through 12, what was the incentive for them to get a middle school counselor? Right. And so I hope that people know. Yeah. I hope that people know that when you come, abroad, you need to use your voice. You cannot just sit on the sidelines and let things happen. Um, Like I said, going back to that safety and security, you're secure because you're in that contract for two years. So it's not like in HISD where they could just write up and say, oh, you know, we're we're getting rid of these positions. Or the state can take over for whatever reason. That part. So at least there is some protection, especially from the, I don't know how it is in in Beijing, but I know in Qatar, if they let you go, they have to pay out so many different things. And so the schools don't want to do that. Right. And so they will go ahead and at least keep you for a year. (laughs) So just know (laughs) that you can be a little bit more vocal without worrying about job security when you're abroad. That, that is my experience. And I, I hear other people talk about it. There's so many more protections. We may not have a union and things of that nature, but there are other laws that protect you when it comes to employment, especially as an expat. And especially if you're carrying that American passport. Oh yeah, that that, that has a lot of strength as well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I would say if I could add to that, while and I, I really appreciate the part where you shared how your professional work history and work ethic is like bond, right? Yeah, because this 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 community is not large. It's it is not very connected. <laughs> Yes, and, you know, that yes. we share roles and information amongst our own, you know, groups and stuff yeah. like that. But these schools, they talk. And yep. it's like, it is a symbiotic relationship. So while we want to, you know, do the best to create a great portfolio, an mm-hmm. ethical portfolio, we also, I know there are schools where I've worked that I would never recommend another Black person to work at. And I'm very vocal about that on the low. Like, yeah, to care for yourself, to have an administration that is supportive, understanding, respectful. This is probably not the best place for you. Yeah. Let's make some considerations, you know, elsewhere. Mm -hmm. My support and movement in that direction, I would be happy to help. But it's like, we all work together. So they know they don't want that reputation of being harmful to expats because then you're not going to have nobody coming out there. And then we want to, which I think is just part of who we are as, as individuals anyway. Mm-hmm. Gotta mm-hmm. go into it with that expectation and understanding that we're doing our best. Because first off, yeah. we can't get the role without being top-notch. That part. <laughs> we're talking about all of the 
selective and racist yeah. stuff that goes yeah. into who wants to be hired where yeah. something that you said really struck a chord with me it's like a catch-22 damned if I do damned if I don't if I mm-hmm. do this so well why would they bring somebody yeah. else on but then yeah. please tell me what you think about this Sometimes I wonder if they're like, I know one of the things that I talk about a lot that I'm probably going to try to present on imposter mm-hmm. and yeah. sometimes feeling out of place in all the things that are aligned mm-hmm. with that, especially as black women in these majority non-black organizations yeah, um, that desire and that need to overperform. I have to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm the top, the best, can't make yep. mistakes. So in that vein of what you're saying, not speaking up, not setting boundaries, trying to do it all, making yourself sick. What is What do you believe is the balance? And I'm speaking specifically like for Black educators, mm-hmm. counselors. Mm-hmm. What do you think that looks like? Because I'm honestly still processing and working through that myself as a professional. You know, I... <laughs> I am too. Um, What I've come to realize though is you teach people how to treat you. So if you come in the gate doing above and beyond and the extra and doing everything, that is going to then become, you have formed that expectation for them. So I'm not saying come in and being very minimal. I'm saying you come in and you meet you read the room, you read the room and see what are other people and how are they functioning, right? You check yourself and say, why do I feel the need to do above and beyond? Again, like Dr. Joy said, what is the unmet need? What is the unmet need that is forcing you to function in that way? Yes. And then from there, you set your own baseline. And your baseline may not have to be that above and beyond. Your baseline is probably going to be just enough. Yeah. where you can still maintain your personal well-being and yeah. not being stressed out, but you're also still shining in that role. Yeah. And so I I think it's difficult for us as Black women because we've been wired this way. <laughs> Honestly, it, it, it will take, a, I think it will take a couple of generations of undoing before we can get to a place where we feel adequate just being kind of just normal in a sense, whatever normal is to you. Right. Um, (laughs) You know, but I I honestly, I I don't have an answer to that because like you said, I'm still trying to figure out that balance myself because I've always been an over the top person. I remember being a child and when we had to bring in the poster boards, even we had to get that border. Like my mom was like, I'm not spending all that money on that particular border when you could get this plain black one over here. And I'm like, but no, you don't understand. Like, you know, the word now is aesthetic. But I was like, mom, like it has to have a certain look. Like, I, you don't understand. This has to all match, right? And so I've always been that way as a personal like thing. Yeah. So I, it has then kind of gone into my career. Um, but like you said, we don't, we don't have that luxury of being mediocre. Mm-hmm. Because if we come in with any level of mediocrity, we are now, now our job security may kind of be at risk. Right. Right. And so to an extent, we do kind of have to go above and beyond. But I think it's important that we start having more conversations with our leadership and admin about those expectations, 
because we don't want someone to come behind us and have to do that same kind of like dog and pony show. I, what I'm hoping now going into this new role as a, a head of counseling is that I want to set a different tone for what it looks like as a person of color coming into that particular role or coming into, you know, just a counselor under a, someone that's a head of counseling. I want to change what their experience will be. Um, I'm always trying to make it where it's going to be easier for the person that comes behind me. Yes. Um, and so... I think a little bit of extra is necessary, but what we hope is that we make it easier for that next person to not have to do as much because now the groundwork has been set and they could just come in and maintain that or add value to that from wherever they're coming from and their experiences and their perspective. I like that. It's really helping with like systemizing things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like we know the importance of systems and how it helps you to do the job better but being just yep. thoughtful and helping yep. people recognize that i in this role i want to help make your job easier right yep. exactly focus on the things that help you grow and develop professionally mm-hmm. and if we can do some forework so I, I like what you said i think that when it comes to balance it there is an understanding that sometimes you may have to do more but that doesn't mean yep. that to always be the case Exactly. Um, really surveying and assessing in this moment for this particular goal, how do I show up? Like, what is it? What's the resource? Yeah. And who do I collaborate with? Um, so exactly. I really appreciate that that self-awareness and that recognition of that it doesn't all have to come from you. That is definitely something mm-hmm. that I struggle with, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think most high achieving people. Um, yes. yes. And I don't even know if it comes from a place of arrogance. Sometimes mm-hmm. when I mm-hmm. think about it, I think if I'm going back into the imposter syndrome vein, sometimes I think it comes from a place of insecurity and wanting and to make yeah. sure that I have to prove this not only to myself, but to others that I am capable of doing this work, even though your whole work history is proof positive. Yeah, has shown that. Yeah. Has shown it. It's just something about this new cohort of people coming and yeah that you're treated with respect Mm -hmm. I I don't know Mm -hmm. I'm I'm still processing it like not wanting to I don't know I know what I want to say but I cannot articulate it it'll come to me later but you know Kendall I think a part of it too is that yes we may you know divvy out the tasks to different people to try to get accomplish the same goal but ultimately a lot of the things that we do our name is on it our name is at the forefront and so this is the representation of me so if i do it i know i'm going to represent it well but i cannot guarantee that if i relinquish this to someone else that because my name is on it that they're going to have that same approach because it's it they're kind of in the background of it, yeah. right? Which is why I think now I'm processing in my head, which is why the the relationship with those people that are you're working with is so important, yeah. right? Because now they're as invested in maintaining your reputation or the image or whatever the case may be for you as you are, because they have buy-in to you as an individual. So I think it, like you said, it's a symbiotic relationship where it's give and take. And so if that person doesn't trust you or they're not feeling you or whatever the case may be, then they may sabotage you, right? So yeah, it's it's rightfully so that you can't trust them to do something and then have your name on it. 
Um, but I think that's why it's so important that you create those relationships and create that safe space for whoever it is that you're working amongst and with. Yeah. Um, to ensure that everyone's on the same page and, and trying to ultimately, because really it's for the school, right? It's for the school, it's for the, the students. And so, yeah, my name may be on it, but it's going to impact the school as well. It's going to impact the reputation of the how staff are at this particular school. Um, and so I think it, it's, so, it's so layered. It's so layered. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm still processing. I'm still yeah, processing it's, that. It's an, onion. <laughs> it's an onion for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it. Like I'm even as we're sitting here having this conversation, I'm going to do some work today for my team. And mm -hmm. one of the ideas I have was to create a, an onboarding handbook, uh, yeah. specific policies, links to different things, just to help that mm -hmm. onboarding mm -hmm. process to be a bit easier. And yeah. I've noticed that I'm, I'm struggling with the perfectionistic mindset right now. Oh, it has yeah. to yeah. be like this. And then it makes me think about my business coach, uh, Nicole, who always tells me, Kendall, done is better than perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just be like, ah, I know you're It's wrong. so true, though. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Yeah. But then I think about as, as, as I hear you, this isn't something that they're even expecting. And this isn't yeah. something that most people are conscientious enough to do for other people. So they don't even know what it will look like. So there's I'm no standard. Yeah. You're creating the standard, oh, yeah. which goes back to my original thing. You're creating their little level of expectation and you're creating the standard. So you decide how you're going to come through with it. I just need to stop putting pressure. I know it's hard though. It's, it's so hard. hard. It's, such a it's so hard, but maybe that's something that we can start doing as far as accountability in our, in our group. Yes, which we yeah. are going to do more with this year for sure. Yes, yes, so yes, yes. I'm so excited. Like, can you share with us? I want to really hone in on like the collective aspects of mental health and community. Mm -hmm. um, I made this post the other day and then we went to the book tour last night, which all of it just really hit home for me about as women, as Black women, the importance of connection and safe mm -hmm. communities as it relates to us being mentally well. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious about as you identified, this is what I want for my life and made the mm -hmm. preparation and then took the move. How do you, what do you recognize regarding like your mental health and wellness? How has it shifted over time? What, what, you know, have there been ebbs and flows? What is, what has been present in your life in that regard? I will say I've always felt like I had like a sisterhood or a circle of friends. Um, but I also would like dip off and like be solo dolo, like more often than being with the circle of friends. Um, but what I realized what has changed since being in guitar is I relied very heavily on the community that I created. I had a sister circle of about seven friends that we were all pretty much consistently there the same amount of time. And then in the past three years, we've kind of lost a few, me, yeah. me being one of them this year, right? Um, but that I looked forward to that time that we would spend together, no matter how low-key or high-key it was, the event that we were doing. Um, and I realized that when you're international, you cannot do it alone. That is a recipe for disaster, <laughs> especially for your mental health. Yes. You cannot be sitting up in a house or a room or whatever with your thoughts, with your emotions, with your, your worries, your anxieties, 
and not have a place to process and, and safely land with those. And so I love that there's so many different groups that exist, like brothers and we had a brothers and sisters of Qatar. There's a brothers and sisters of South Korea um, on Facebook. And so that's the first place that I kind of landed with trying to find like a community and then just putting myself out there. I'm not, I usually wasn't one to go to like events, like big events by myself. I would go to the movies by myself. I can go to dinner by myself. I can go to the mall by myself. Those are not an issue, but to go to an actual event um, by myself, I don't know anybody that was very difficult, but I put myself out there and I would go to places by myself and somebody's going to talk to you. Like, yeah there's always that one extrovert that's going to come up and introduce themselves. And then that's then how it's like a domino effect of meeting all these other people. So if I look at my sister circle right now, it's so funny because we sat down one time, we were like, when did I meet you? Like, because it was just like, we were so tight knit, but we couldn't remember like the origin. And so we yeah. sat there and we processed like, oh, you remember we went to that beach party? And then you remember this girl, she introduced us and then we exchanged numbers or it would be like, I brought someone to an event. And so then they exchanged numbers at the event. And so then they started. And so it's just, it's very interesting how those connections will naturally create themselves. Right. But it is so important. I think it's a critical piece of maintaining your mental health well-being is being a part of something. And yeah. it may not necessarily be a sister circle. It may be like even for me, I was a part of my indoor cycling class. All of us had been using that same instructor for six years. Yeah. So it could be a, your indoor cycling class. Some people play uh, basketball or football. You know, it could be um, some people like to do art. Like whatever it is, I'm sure that you can find a community of people that have that's your interest. And then that is a safe place that you can go and know, oh, I can be my authentic self in this space. And it helps me to then forge friendships of people that are in very similar circumstances as you to yeah. where you can then unleash and, and, you know, let go of that, that heavy burden that you may be dealing with um, in, in silence. Right. And so I think community is critical. Like you have to be a part of something. And, and I say this, I need it also to be separate from your work environment. I also encourage people to have friends outside of their profession yeah. outside. Yes, you do need, like, I, I love how we have our group of clinicians, mental health clinicians. That's important. But sometimes you don't want to talk about work. You don't want to talk about education. You don't want to talk about mental health in that sense of like, you know, being an actual uh, person that's delivering the services. And so I have friends that are in military. I have friends that are in engineering, um, medical field. Um, we had one friend in our circle that was in the um, entertainment industry. So I, I think it's important to then also have that because you can then kind of just separate yourself on your personal time from your work. You can have that, that balance, that work-life balance. I love that. That is definitely something that I share with everybody. Like you need separation. Um, yes. You go to work to work. And if you are yeah. enough, blessed enough to be able to forge real friendships, not transactional yeah. friendships, yeah, 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 that work, that is amazing. And it always happens, right? Yes, but yes. It's so it, it can it can create so many conflicts of interest to do like to live your life and then work with the same people that yeah. engage in all the things with you um, yeah. outside of work. Um, it can be, it can become challenging, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I appreciate the understanding of knowing that look at your interests, 
there are probably people mm-hmm. there that you can connect with. First off, identifying what do you like? Um, yeah. What are yeah. you, you joining community? For sure. This is one of the things I love about technology. And I just have never known that there were so many Black people, clubs, um, online communities, and yeah. all these places in the world. And I keep thinking, oh, I need to interview these folks. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Because um, we, are, we are our own wealth of knowledge and resource. And mm-hmm. like the information's there. I pub every chance yeah. I get my friend Shar's app, Expat. Yeah. Yeah. It has helped me connect with so many people, not even just for the show, but just to help edify and I think enhance yeah. the life that I'm living as a person abroad. Absolutely. Um, and we, you're right. Like we cannot exist in a healthy way in yeah. isolation. I just speaking in some self-disclosure, like literally every year around the same time, November, around Thanksgiving, the weather takes a a polarized turn. It gets cold. Holidays come up and I have seasonal defective disorder every year from about November to January, like clockwork. Mm -hmm. Um, I get very depressed. I withdraw. Yeah. It is hard to connect. And, you know, this is stuff that I work through in therapy, right? So I want everybody to hear. Mm-hmm. Therapists, mm-hmm. Good therapists have therapists. We are not yes. out having mental yes. health struggles. Absolutely. And dealing with all of the Absolutely. And I recognize this, so I have to work extra hard during those times to, one, share what I'm going through, which is really hard for me. Um, mm-hmm. Connect with people on purpose. Um, even if it's little yeah. things, because it's very easy to just cocoon and withdraw, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. become invisible. Um, yeah, yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm wondering, like, what are, you did share some of the things as it relates to, like, non-negotiables and things. But I'm curious mm-hmm. about when it comes to taking care of your personal mental health, what are some things? Mm-hmm recognize really help you to feel like your most aligned and healthiest self yeah so I, I always tell when I'm out of alignment when I'm not doing my devotionals yeah so when I haven't taken the time to wake up early and have that that designated time with God my my day is going to be thrown off my week will be thrown off my month will be thrown off and so I will check myself and I'd be like, uh-huh, you have this part missing because you know what you end up doing. I don't know if you you have encountered this, but I'll have these periods of time where my, my schedule is so chaotic yeah. and I barely have enough time to wake up and make like a cup of coffee. And so yeah. I'm like literally getting ready and like scrambling to get things like my book bag is not even put together. My work bag is not put together and I'm just out the door. And before I know it, I've done that a couple of days in a row. And then I'm like, well, your life is never going to get back in order if you don't do this. When I wake up, I used to get up in the morning and I would do like a half mile walk. I would listen to my sermons on my um, like the podcast app. And then I would come home and read my devotionals. When I do that, you can't touch me in that day. Like you can't make me mad. You can't get me frustrated. You can't like I'm not annoyed. Right. I'm bubbly. 
So I think it's important to have some type of routine. Now, it may not necessarily include like, you know, devotionals or you may not be a, a, a God driven kind of person. But even if it's something like yoga or stretching, right, or not picking up your phone and hopping on TikTok or Instagram as soon as you pick it up, like little things like that can make a huge difference. I have one girlfriend. Her big thing is her 12 step Korean skincare. She, she actually envied me going to South Korea because she has been doing this little oh, skincare yes. thing. Yes. <laughs> So that is her form. That's her form of meditation. Right. And so whatever it is that will set your day on in a in a good tone, I think that's very important. Also, um, journaling, um, staying connected with my family. So my nieces, listen, those little girls, they have me on their finger. They will text me or FaceTime me. And they don't know exactly what time it is. They're the only one out of my family that know the time difference. They added it to their world clock. And so they'll be like, good morning, Aunt Jamie, or good night, Aunt Jamie. I hope you had a good day. And so those little things, like I let them know, like that's important to me. So they continue to do it, right? Um, but you have to figure out what are those things that bring joy and like love and light into your, your space um, and, and making sure that you're very intentional about making it a priority as well. Yeah. Because again, if you don't take care of yourself, I promise you, it's not sustainable. You're not gonna be, you're not gonna do well at work. You're gonna be unhappy. You're gonna dis- be disgruntled. The, that depression is real, right? And it, depending on what country you're in, you may or may not have the resources right. to really you know, combat that. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the main thing for me is, and that's why I'm ex- super excited about where I'm going because it was a little stifled in a Muslim country, right? Being a Christian woman, where I'm going to a Christian school. And okay. even when I look at the emails that they've sent out, um, the newsletters, everything has some type of scripture or devotion. And I think that is like going to be incredible for me because that's something that I, I truly need. And it's important to me. It's a, it's a very um, high listed value for me. And so you have to identify for yourself. That's why I said, if you don't know it before you come abroad, you'll figure it out. <laughs> I promise you, you will have more than enough time. <laughs> to figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. If you allow yourself to sit in that uncomfortable yes. state, because there yeah. there are so many ways, like I mentioned earlier, that you can escape. Right. You yep. can escape by going out and partying and, and drinking and hanging with your friends. Some people travel a lot and I feel like that's their form of escapism. Um, but if you allow yourself to sit in that kind of uncomfortable feeling of dang, I thought I knew myself, but I really didn't. And then allowing yourself to explore this new person that you're becoming and embracing this new person that you're becoming, it's incredible after that. But oh. it's, it's, a, it's a period of time. And I've seen a lot of people ex- escape by actually leaving the country yeah. because they couldn't handle what was coming up in a lot of that alone time or that quiet time because it gets really quiet when you're by yourself, especially. Quiet, I, I've even so heard quiet. different people that come over here. Listen, it's so quiet, it's loud. That part, that part. <clears throat> and you can't, people don't understand it until they experience it. Because anytime I have someone that comes in, especially a person of color, I, I will have conversations with them. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I need you to be prepared that this will happen at some point. And people always come back around and they're like, dang, you weren't lying. <laughs> like, 
that legit. Like, <laughs> and if you don't have that community yet, if you don't have that community to help you kind of come out of that or to check on you. Because even when I, I don't know how your friends are, but if I don't come out to a couple of events back to back, they're like, they're on my line. They're calling me. They're popping up in my apartment like, hey, you all right over here? Like, we know you have your introverted moments where you have to recharge, and but this is a little different. You yeah. good? Like, and so that's why it's important to have that community because they're going to be in tune with you and check on you in those times where you may try to withdraw into yourself or yeah. disappear or fade into the abyss, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. I like that. We need to put that on a shirt. You need to put that on your shirt. Then you don't. It's so quiet. <laughs> Because that is so, that is so true. That is so true. But yeah, and you have to, you literally have to be ready for that. And it's, again, it's not going to come when you expect it. It's the most inopportune time. And I've seen people literally, when it happens, they're, they're on a flight back home because they don't want to, they don't want to face it and deal with it. And I tell people this as well, that same baggage that you brought to whatever country you go to abroad if you don't process and deal with it there, you just gonna pack it up and take it to your next destination with a new, so, with a new uh, passport stamp. <laughs> so you you can keep on going and going and going and going and, and you know moving here and there and, and blaming everyone but yourself. But eventually, you're going to have to face that it's a you thing, and only you can deal with it. You and your whoever your higher power may be. I love that. I'm right. So I'll I be taking notes yeah. during these sessions because I call these sessions. Because I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm writing down that it's a you thing. And you have to deal with it. You have to. And, and it's it's not easy. And that's why, like, I think it's important to have a therapist. I know that's something that's kind of becoming more of a thing is these international kind of platforms with therapy services, um, virtual services. But if you can find someone that is in the country that you can physically go sit with, I think that will probably be a lot more um, impactful and and, um, successful for you. But whatever you need to do to get that help, I think it's important. Yeah, yeah. I'm just grateful that there are a plethora of resources. Now, there are some resources do not steer people toward because they can be harmful. Like some of these big platforms. Yes. When I started learning about how they don't really care about credentials on some of those platforms, I was like, see, that's very harmful. That's very harmful. Yeah, so no. And it's capitalizing off this uptick in the need for mental health, which is part of the reason that I created this platform and trying to figure out what does it look like to be a bit more specific and tailored and sharing like this mental health information, especially for our expat community, because I've noticed in the work that I've been doing that a lot of people are doing what we're sharing, sitting with the discomfort it gets quiet mm-hmm. and super loud mm-hmm. and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then they run, mm-hmm. they escape. Lots of people are escaping abroad. And then, like you said, bringing all this stuff with them that they are not taking devoted time to pay attention to and recognize that it's coming up for a reason. It's trying to show something to you. It's trying to yeah. tell you where that pain point is, what kind of healing it might be beneficial for you to engage in because the resources are out there. Um, yeah. And we're in parts of the world where a lot of holistic and somatic and embodied practices actually started. 
and are being incorporated mm-hmm. into Western mental yeah. health practices. And I'm just like, y'all, it's right there. Go yeah. do a sound bath. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Oh, and depending on what country you're in, they're going to have something like, you know, especially with the, the where you are, the, the meditation, yes. um, the place that you can go. And like my friends were telling me about all these different spas and, and things that you can do. So it is at your fingertips. So yeah. literally, you just need to take advantage of the opportunity. And I was glad to be able to do it in the international space of like dealing with my, my baggage and all the things that came out, especially during the pandemic, right? Because that's yeah. when you were socially and physically isolated. Yes. Um, but what I appreciated is that I could do it and not have to worry about work because working in, in a large district is very stressful, right? Yeah. So you don't have time to sit and process what you got going on. <laughs> like You just keep going. It's a rat race, right? You just keep going, 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 going until you fall ill and then you have to sit at home for like a week or whatever the case may be. But right. what I loved is that I was able to kind of pace myself in processing the different things that came up during my first two years in Qatar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I would have ever probably done that or I would have, but it wouldn't have been at my own kind of pace. It would have been right. like forced to do it, right? Because of something traumatic may have happened yep. or whatever the case may be um, that then, you know, triggered me. But no, I, I really appreciate how far I've come with my mental health, how far I've come with processing childhood trauma, work trauma, you know, all these different things that we encounter in our lives and we just tuck it in our back pocket like oh I'll deal with that later I don't have time to deal with that right now and so it has then allowed me to then help others unpack the things that they deal with it has allowed me to me I think honestly be a better school counselor because I have unpacked all of these things and now I can teach them some coping mechanisms that I didn't have when I was 17 16 years old right dealing with different trauma um and so yeah I think I think those things are, are very critical and key I love it I, it, it is, I think one of the things I love about being a therapist is that what I've recognized with myself and with other people is normally the thing that has caused us, you know, pain um, has honed us in ways that maybe we didn't ask for tends to be mm-hmm. the precipitating factor while we go into the helping profession because we don't uh, want 1000%. Yeah. And I'm like, that's that. That's the purpose. It's the purpose born out of the pain. Oh, I got to write that down. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like that's the oh, right. What is the purpose born out of the pain? All right. Now, that's something yeah. that we got to unpack in the group because I, yes. I, I, I feel Absolutely. like that is something. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Lord. See, yeah, that's a good one. That's why I be like talking to y'all. Cause y'all be having yes. my brain like, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Okay, so just two more, two more questions. Please share with us mm-hmm. the professional pursuits that you have going on right now. I'm so excited. Ooh, listen. When you ask, be ready to receive. Okay. <laughs> Can you repeat that? So I repeat that. When you ask for it, be prepared to receive it because it will come in full force. Um, 
first I want to kind of give you a lead up to how I got to these professional pursuits. Okay. So, um, you know how every year you do your appraisal meetings with your, um, your admin or whoever is your, uh, line manager. And so last year I had a line manager, she was over the counseling department and she, I told her, I shared with her that I wanted to break into like professional development, like you know, not just attending trainings. I'm, I'm good about that. I will go to a webinar or training, especially if it's free, sign me up. And so I said that I wanted to become a facilitator of those different topics, right? And so she's like, okay, what are you waiting on? And I was like, I don't like being at the forefront. I don't like attention. I, it's just not my thing. So this year on my vision board, I went to a vision board party. It was a lady that hosts them in Qatar. Again, that's why it's so important to just put yourself out there and go to rent. I didn't know this lady from a can of paint other than Instagram. Um, didn't know who was going to go. I invited a friend. She didn't come. I still went. Right. And literally, that's where I started planning on my vision board. And I was like, OK, I'm going to be comfortable with being on the forefront. I'm going to present. I had just put that I was going to do maybe two. I was like, I'll do maybe two this year and then, okay, we'll see how that feels. Girl, two, one turned into two, turned into three, turned into a full-fledged course. So <laughs> with the International School Counselor Association, I have been doing webinars and presentations about boundary setting for counselors. Um, and I have even broken off and done one specifically for college counselors because that's a different type of boundary setting, right? Yeah. Um, and so I will be facilitating a course this fall. It's offered in September. Um, it's geared towards new counselors, but I feel like it's applicable to any counselor. I don't care how seasoned you are. Um, but it's really teaching people how to set up systems in their counseling programs to set boundaries, to maintain why it's important to protect our time. Right. And so setting these boundaries allows you to then have the time to do individual sessions or do group counseling sessions or just have the space for students to come in with those things that just pop off in the middle of the school day. Right. That are not planned. And so I'm very, very, very excited that I was even chosen to do this again. Be prepared. Right. <laughs> I literally had to like this past uh, week, I went and got new headshots done, like just really embracing that this is happening. Right. And so yeah. you asked for it and God delivered. He was like, all right, now get to work. Right. Um, and so I really hope I'll, I'll give you the link and maybe you can add it in um, for people to for that. Because again, it's relevant, not just in the international sector. This is for any counselor, and, and even going. those that may be working in a large school district. Yeah. In the large school district, I think it's important that we learn how to really, you know, maintain those boundaries, not only for ourselves, but for that counselor that comes behind us and making sure that they understand what our role is and why we function in the way that we do and why we're so protective of our time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that's one of my professional pursuits. Um, again, the other thing is becoming the head of counseling. And so I am really kind of like, that's what I've been working on these past couple of weeks is reading up on like managing people, right? I, I know how to manage a program by myself, yeah. but again, now I'm going to have to relinquish control on certain things. I'm going yeah. to have to, you know, divvy out tasks and allow people to function because I don't like, I didn't like being, having a micromanager. So I don't want to become a micromanager. Wow. And so I've been trying to read up on ways to prevent that because yeah. I want people to know that I trust them in their expertise and for them to function as a professional. And yeah. so um, that is my main goal going into this head of counseling role is that they understand that I trust you to do your job. Yeah. And if you want me to help you enhance it in any way, I can do that. But I'm not going to be over your shoulder 
checking your calendar, checking that you're doing X, Y, and Z, because I didn't want anyone doing that to me. Right. And I know that I was doing a very good job. So as long as you take care of your business, you ain't got to worry about me <laughs> bothering you at all. <laughs> it's the golden rule. The golden rule. Yeah. Do unto others as you do unto. Yeah. No, I'm doing yeah. the scripture. I, <laughs> you get it. Um, I, I am. I am so excited for you. Like I am going to get attendance. And thank you. I listen, appreciate that. Please share the information with the group. Will do. Um, with me so that I can pub and support. Um, yes. One of the things that something that I learned from you, like while we were in Bangkok. Oh yeah, everybody, we met in Bangkok at the Isca yeah. It's like a, a whole yes. cohort of amazing black women that we were yes. forever being each other's lives, you know, just cheering each other on, supporting, holding space, loving and caring from all corners of the world. Um yes. Things yes. That, I, that was an amazing I, experience. I'm still but, on the high on that. It pretty much, like I said, I miss y'all. We need to, we need to hear everything yeah. Um, absolutely that I learned from you um is that self-belief right in this arena all the Mm because you know this ADHD brain how quick it was to come up with ideas and put things together and one of the challenges I noticed that I, I have is thinking my way out of an opportunity because mm-hmm. again I said I struggle with imposter syndrome let yeah. people know like this thing is real even professionals yeah. that do well have these challenges and I will overthink and second guess and wonder if I'm good enough am I qualified enough to talk about these things again ignoring all of the evidence and so something yeah. that struck home with me was that you're like no you yeah you got it. Like you yeah. are good enough. You have the knowledge or you wouldn't be where you are. And I just, yeah. I, I thank you. I mean, I thank all of us for being open and vulnerable because we all had different ideas of how we were going to show up mm-hmm. at Insta and challenge mm-hmm. ourselves. And I believe it really worked yeah. out for, us, um, for just being so open and so honest. Um, I'm really grateful yeah. for that. And it's something that I sit and work through and process every day. Um, but yeah, so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. I learned. Thank you. And likewise. Thank you. Um, so yeah, please share it all. I will do what I can to promote and support. Um, cause I know the more of us that connect and collaborate, the more of us there will be. Um, absolutely. I wanted to make sure to absolutely. share it with you. Um, so yeah, uh, so the last question. Thank you. You're welcome. What are you most proud of? I think I'm proud of the fact that I have come abroad and fully embraced being a school counselor and thrived in ways that I did not even know were imaginable. Yeah. You think about a girl that grew up in Houston, Texas, had never lived outside of Texas, did not have a passport until she got the job in Qatar. To where I am now, I, I think it's incredible, and to do it alone because that's not easy, right? I haven't, I've had my my sister circles, my my you know friendships and things of that nature. My family has been very supportive over the years. <laughs> In the beginning, it was a little little shaky, right? right. Um, but with with that, I, I brought up my nieces earlier. They, um, I took them out to eat the other day and they were like, Hey, Jamie, you're our idol. Like, we really like love watching what you do and like how you do it. And so that's what it's about, right? 
now their worldview has been changed based upon me stepping out on faith and going on the other side of fear. Now for them, that's their baseline. This is a possibility for me. I can do this because I saw my Aunt Jamie do it. And so I think we have to realize that a lot of the things that we do is not even about us. Yep. We're, we're just like a facilitator of the process. But there are people watching us that we don't know is watching us that may or may not tell us that they're watching us. And it's important that we continue to do the work and continue to move and push past all the different obstacles because we're like legitimately clearing the way for the people that are coming behind us. And so I think it's important that we realize again, that it's not about us and that what we're doing is for everyone to come behind us and to do more. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, so that that I'm, I'm very proud that I did not allow people to deter me from doing this. I'm glad that I completely stepped out on faith right? And and was able to have this opportunity to grow in ways that would not have happened if I stayed in Houston. No. I, I, it's just, it wasn't, because I was too comfortable. I was way too comfortable, you know? And so I think when you get out of that comfort zone, you're able to grow in ways that you, I'm telling you, that you didn't even think about. Yeah. But listen, that's a whole nother webinar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> listen, I am grateful because you are right. Um, we are creating a path for others to follow and improve like a stepping stone and only do it if we step out on faith yep take that leap you know whatever it is that you want to call it ascribe to it it starts with you some i think we were saying yesterday you have something that somebody else needs to live absolutely fuller life so yeah. trust yourself enough to know that it's going to make sense at some point. Yeah. Um, I see, see what I mean by our 15 minutes. That's a lot. Like, I know. <laughs> please, please share with us how we can follow your journey. Stay connected to yes. you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, um, Jamie L. Roya, and then also on LinkedIn, Jamie LaDon Roya. So if you want to connect on the professional side, you're more than welcome to add me on LinkedIn. Um, You can also email me through that LinkedIn site, um, and then I can give you my my personal email if you want to go offline. Um, But if you want to just kind of see what's happening with me as I'm transitioning from Qatar to South Korea, a lot of that will be posted within a Jamie L. Roya Instagram. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. Well, my friend, I am so grateful for you spending this time with me today. I Likewise. Thank you for course, having me. Of course. Glean so much. And <laughs> everybody that is watching, thank you again for tuning into another amazing episode of the Black Expat Experience. I encourage you to keep taking risks, impacting your communities, and prioritizing your mental health. And with that, we'll say thank you. Bye. <laughs>